Welcome to the Count of Vultures podcast. This is Peter Zalewski. This is the Real Estate Players Profile. It's a weekly um, interview that I do with someone in the South Florida real estate industry or somebody in the real estate industry where there might be some interest uh, for those people who are in South Florida. Who's our target market? Well, we're trying to provide information to you, the listener, whether you're involved in real estate uh, from a professional perspective and or you're an investor or you're thinking about investing. For this particular podcast, um, I'm going to have a conversation with Ellen Forget. Ellen is a vice president with RBC Bank. He's also the head of sales and business development in the United States for RBC Bank, which is Canada's largest bank. What Ellen and his team effectively do, and he's based out of Plantation, uh, Florida, which is southwest uh, or south excuse me, West Broward County. Um, what they do is they they help Canadians to go ahead and finance purchases in the United States. So uh, Canadians, if you don't know, they're very active in terms of buying properties, single family houses, as well as condos, townhouses, all that type of stuff. They buy a lot in Florida. They're also buying in Arizona and they also buy in California. So I discussed with Alan how that is, why that is, and how active it is. What are some of the trends going on with some of these Canadian investors who uh, who are using RBC Bank uh, for their financing? Also talk about the pandemic, our Canadian Canadian is going to actually come to Florida. And what happens if they don't this year? Canadian investors are really active. They're actually the largest foreign investor in uh, Florida real estate, uh, at least according to the statistic that Alan mentions during the particular podcast. We talk about the uh, strong U.S. dollar versus the weak uh, Canadian loonie, um, uh, their currency, and, if, and what kind of impact that's also having on uh, on pricing. And when we also talk about just uh, getting down here. A lot of Canadians, they like to jump in their cars or trucks. They drive on down. Uh, especially from Montreal and, uh, and Quebec, places like that. They come down to South Florida, they spend six months um, at their condos, things like that. Well, now you can't cross the border in terms of uh, by land. Now you have to get in a plane and come. So are the Canadian investors going to come uh, to South Florida this winter buying season, which effectively begins symbolically with um, Thanksgiving, which is at the end of uh, November. So there's a lot of things in the air um, uh, because of the pandemic. And I'm going to discuss that with Ellen. So provide some very interesting insight into that. Now, if you are not yet a subscriber to uh, the Kind of Vultures podcast, I encourage you to go ahead and do so wherever you get your podcast. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating uh, and some comments. Uh, the more that uh, you know, we get ratings, uh, the more likely it is for our message to spread. And what's our message? We're basically trying to bring straight talk to a market that is overwhelmed with hype and convention or visitor bureau type of stuff. Um, final point too is if you uh, want to make a comment on any of the pod, anything you hear today and or uh, any of the podcasts you've heard thus far, please go ahead and send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. And we discuss the uh, comments that we receive. We discuss them uh, every Wednesday during our Reporters Roundtable uh, podcast. So that's something interesting to check out if you've not yet heard it. And also too, as a side note, on Mondays, we do a uh, condo market analysis. I, I go in there and I take a look at a, um, a submarket east of Interstate 95 in the South Florida area. Uh, I examine the condos, the luxury condos, the uh, distress, as well as the rental markets in that particular market. So all that being said, I want you to fasten your seatbelt. I want you to lean back and I hope you uh, enjoyed this conversation with Ellen Forget of RBC Bank. Are you a primary user or real estate investor who's in the market for a discounted South Florida condo? Are you searching in the markets of Greater Downtown Miami, Miami Beach north to Sunny Isles Beach, Hollywood north to Fort Lauderdale, or anywhere else east of I-95 in the Tri-County South Florida region? If so, the buyer brokers at Condo Vultures Realty are here to assist you. Condo Vultures Realty is a licensed Florida brokerage that was established in 2006 to assist educated buyers in identifying, negotiating, and purchasing units at a discounted price. To speak with a buyer broker at Condo Vultures Realty, please call 305-865-5859 
or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast. This is Peter Zaluski. This is our real estate players profile. This is where I have a one-on-one conversation with somebody who is a player, someone who's influential, and someone who can provide some insight to you, the listener, as to what's going on in the South Florida marketplace. For this particular episode, I'm very excited. And this is episode number 51, if you can believe it. We're starting to roll out some of the heavy hitters. So who do I have? I have a gentleman who's the head of sales and business development for RBC Bank. You're saying RBC Bank, I know that, but I don't know it. How do I know it? Why do I know it? Well, um, this gentleman is going to go ahead. He's going to explain it to you. Who is he? It's Ellen Forge. And don't forget, his name is Forge, F-O-R-G-E-T, uh, simply a French pronunciation. And Alan, excuse me if I screwed up my French, but uh, how was that? It's Forge. Did I say it correctly? Exactly, Peter. You're right on. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. And, and there's not many things I'm very good at. So whenever it comes to a language, I always get a little bit sort of concerned. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Alan, thank, thank you for carving out time uh, for us today. Obviously, it's a very busy time right now. Everybody knows what's going on in the horizontal or the residential real estate side when it comes to single family. Uh, many of the people who listen to our podcast, they know what's going on in the condo side, which is a little bit more challenging. And you're somebody who's right in the heart of it. Why? Because you're involved with financing, putting money on the street so individuals can go ahead and uh, purchase properties. So I want to get into some of that. But before we get started, I want to lay out sort of the general uh, rules of engagement, if you will. So our only rule of engagement is we look for straight talk and we do permit salty language because we get a lot of uh, listeners who are developers and you and I both know that they tend to curse a little bit. So if you if you let something slip, not a problem. If I let something slip, it's probably likely. Are you cool with that? Uh, Sounds like a deal. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And so the listener knows if this is the first time listening to one of our podcasts, uh, what we do is we're going to go ahead and we're going to do three 20 minute segments. The first 20 minutes, I'm going to ask Alan about his background about how he got to South Florida, how he likes living down here, uh, what he thinks about hockey. I'm going to ask him about smoked meat. And anybody who doesn't know smoked meat, I want to be able to go ahead and give us a, a little bit of a description and history about that. And hopefully he'll tell us a place where we can actually pick some up and try it. In uh, segment number two, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about the current state of the residential real estate market in the United States, but primarily in Florida and how Canadian investors um, are looking and what their preferences are. And then finally, in segment three, I'm going to ask Alan to do what every banker hates to do. And that is predict the future. And I'm not going to allow him to say that he is. What, what's the term, Alan, that economists also ultimately use? Uh, uh, cautiously optimistic. So that, that term we're going to strike. Are you cool with that? <laughs> I am. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Um, uh, Alan, um, the question I always start off with every single person I get on the podcast is, um, South Florida is a mixing pot. Uh, most people come from somewhere else. Uh, I say if you meet somebody who's actually born and raised in South Florida or in the, the state of Florida, you're kind of a unicorn because I think the statistic is one in four, one in five, one in six people are actually born here. Everybody else migrates here. So how did you get to South Florida and, and why did you arrive? All right, Peter. First, uh, thanks for having me today. A uh, very exciting opportunity. Um, you know, born in Canada, as, as you mentioned, and I've been working for RBC, uh, Royal Bank in Canada, for 40 years and the last 20 years here. So it's really because of uh, my professional uh, work with RBC that brought me first in the Caribbean on international wealth management. And then in 2000, we moved from the Bahamas to, uh, my, to the South Florida. And actually, my first three years uh, with, uh, here in the U.S. was uh, downtown Miami. Oh, you were in downtown Miami. Which, which, which building were you in? Do you, one, do you remember? Yeah, one Brickell Street back in those days of international wealth management. And then in 2004, I was asked to develop a cross-border strategy to help Canadians uh, with their banking and financing in the U.S. 
Wow, wow, wow. Okay, a little bit about your background before we, um, I, I want to bring you back to where you, where you left it, but I want to go a little bit in your background. So you were born in Montreal, correct? Correct. And uh, growing up in Montreal, and, and I have some clients who are out of Montreal, so I go up there and I can tell you, the food is fantastic, the hockey can be good, but the weather is extremely cold. It, it must have been a dream gig to come down to the Caribbean and then ultimately end up in Miami, I'm oh, assuming. Oh, you're exactly right, Peter. I'm not, we're not missing the winter time at all. And uh, <laughs> we really enjoy, of course, this beautiful weather that Caribbean and, and, so, and Florida can offer, especially in the winter time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, someone who's never been to Montreal, and, and I rave about it to anybody I've, I've spoken to, and I've been there probably five, six, seven times. Obviously not now because of COVID, but uh, wh- 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 what's the sales pitch? What's the Convention of Visitors Bureau pitch for the city of Montreal for someone who might, you know, they might have heard it, but maybe they've never gone there. And once we lift the COVID and they want to go ahead and stretch their legs, what, what would you tell them about Montreal? I mean, briefly, Montreal is a beautiful city, especially spring. Uh, summer and fall seasons, avoid the winter because it can mm-hmm. be brutal. And uh, I will say that Montreal is a blend of culture. It's, it's a French, uh, of course, uh, speaking Canadian, uh, uh, of course, um, a city. However, it's a blend of culture. I mean, name it. I think all cultures are in Montreal. So that brings a lot of diversity on, on food, restaurants, uh, and all that. So it's a nice lifestyle. Uh, during that period of time of, again, spring, summer, and fall. Avoid winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, and, I, yeah, I, there's no question about that. Um, in, in terms of coming down to the Caribbean, where, where were you based originally when you, went to, uh, when you went to the Bahamas? You were based out of Nassau when you were working with RBC uh, Bank, or was it a different division of the ultimate uh, parent company? It was a different uh, part of the parent company. It was the International Wealth Management, Bahamas Limited. It was, I was based actually in Nassau. However, we had the, our team of wealth management, had clients from Europe, uh, all over the Caribbean, South America, uh, and of course, North America. So I was traveling a lot uh, from, from Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, and, and it was a great uh, period of time, five years, uh, which I enjoyed. But I visited probably clients in 20 different countries during that time. Wow. And, and, and that territory that you were serving at the time, um, was it just the Caribbean? Was it the Caribbean basin or just island uh, nation? So in other words, were you going into Central America? Were you going into South America? Uh, or, or, or were you primarily just uh, hitting the island nations? Uh, island nations, but of, uh, meeting with clients and, and partners. So partners that brought me in different countries in South America, Central America, uh, different other islands, board meetings and you know, island like Barbados, Cayman, Bermuda, nice. and, and southern France. I mean, Monaco, uh, Nice, uh, you know, a, a lot of those beautiful countries, including the Channel Islands, London, uh, in the UK. So it, it was very kind of uh, culturally uh, exciting because there were so many different clients from all over the world. So, so you're, you're a bit of a traveler, I would assume. And, and if you weren't a traveler when you, when you took the position, you obviously became one. You're exactly right. <laughs> I became one for sure. <laughs> so, so since you're a legitimate traveler, um, uh, if you'll if you'll share with us, how many nations have you ever actually been to around the world, whether it's business or it's personal uh, travel related? Oh, that's a good question, Peter. But I, I will, on top of my mind, uh, for uh, vacation time or leisure and and business, I will say about twenty five. Wow, wow, wow! Yeah, so you're yeah. you're definitely stretching your legs. Any any area um, now that we've all had a time to 
sit back at home and reflect and maybe reconsider travel? Any area that uh, is top of the list in terms of uh, you got some vacation time, you want to go and maybe take the family and go visit some places? Is there, is there one place at the top of your list? Well, it's difficult, but you know what? Uh, it depends on different things. But, you know, like, really enjoy South of France. Um, mm. You know, all this kind of Monaco, Nice, uh, Castadels all there. And, I mean, and also um, uh, Spain, uh, the coast of, of Spain. Uh, so I will say those are kind of, uh, you know, for just kind of visiting and of course a city like Paris obviously with all the culture everything you can see and do out there not maybe now but you know when time comes in a more normal way wow 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 you know I I would tell you what one trip you might want to put on your bucket list I I did it um uh you fly in the Rio de Janeiro in Brazil you jump on a cruise ship assuming once they get the cruise ships back where people feel comfortable and confident again and you go all the way down the tip of the South America around Cape Horn, Ooh. and you go up through the Beagle Channel, and you and you get off in in Chile. Let, let me tell you, when 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 you got about three weeks, and obviously you're a very busy man, but you've also probably accrued some vacation time. That's one to definitely put on your bucket list. It will blow your mind in terms of the different topography, the foods, and just the natural beauty of this uh, this earth. Peter, I appreciate the advice. It's already uh, written down on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Now, um. Uh, uh, Alan, you, you, you returned and were on the mainland, if you will, of North America. You, you got into South Florida in 2004. Is that correct? Actually, 2000, uh, between 2000 and 2004, I was uh, at the office, I mean, based in South Florida, but working downtown Miami okay, for international okay. wealth uh, for that four years. Um, uh, I'm, I'm li- I live in Weston, but I was just commuting and uh, my office was right downtown on Brickle, on Brickle Street. And uh, in 2004, that's where I moved a little bit more like in, uh, in Palm Beach. Uh, I mean, to, st- still to be in Weston, but my yep. office was more in, uh, in uh, Broward and uh, Palm Beach. And it was more like to start the strategy to help again develop solutions, advice, and all that, and resources for Canadians who have cross-border banking needs as well as U.S. financing needs. Perfect. And, and I think that's, a, that's a, great, uh, a great time to ask you. So, so explain to the audience, and, and keep in mind, our listeners go from Tel Aviv to Sydney, from uh, Toronto, so they're all going to know RBC, all the way down to Buenos Aires. So explain to the audience, real simple layman's terms, uh, what, what, what the RBC uh, brand represents. And it's one of the biggest banks in North America. So could you just give people a big picture and then carve out where you, you, your role and where your, um, you know, your, your team sort of uh, fits into the role, into the situation? Sure, uh, Peter. And again, thanks for that uh, question. Uh, RBC is actually, yes, you're right, one of the top global bank in the top 15 and the, in the top 10 in North America, but it's the biggest bank in Canada. Just to give you a sense, uh, Canada is about 38 million people and RBC has about 15 million clients uh, in Canada. And worldwide, we're in about 33 countries wow. um, uh, all over uh, the world, but we are the biggest retail and commercial uh, uh, banking bank in um, in North America. I mean, in ter- I mean in Canada. Sorry, and, and like I said, in the top ten, our brand. We, we've been uh, there for 151 years. I was not there at that time, but I've been <laughs> for more than 40 years. Though <laughs> I was there the last 41 years, if you if I can say that. Nice. But, uh, the brand is as recognized for Canadians and worldwide, uh, Peter, uh, as the second most recognized brand in Canada after wow. McDonald's. After <laughs> so, oh wow, I thought you were. 
have said Tim Hortons. Uh, you quite, I mean, I think Tim Horton is just after us. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Well, and anybody who doesn't know, isn't Burger King now headquartered in um, Canada because of tax purposes? Yes. Didn't they move it out of Miami and they shifted it up to uh, uh, Canada? Yes, that's correct. I believe they are in the GTA or, uh, you know, Grand Toronto area. Uh, yes, I think you're right. And then RBC Bank, for who I work, is a, is a fully owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada, which provides U.S. banking services to Canadians who work, live, shop, study, travel in the U.S. and help them with their real estate also uh, solutions and all that to make their dream, U.S. home ownership dream happen. Okay. And, and now, so, so the audience can be clear. So, so the uh, the division or the, or the entity you work with, which is uh, w- which is a standalone, it, it, it's licensed, it's permitted to bank in the U.S. Uh, and it follows all the U.S. banking uh, policies and procedures. That's a good point, actually. You're exactly right, Peter. RBC Bank is a U.S. bank, situs and uh, headquarter in Raleigh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh, have been, you know. Uh, a cross-border also a provider, financial and banking and, and lending provider for Canadians only. So we, we are a national residential lender for mm-hmm. just Canadians, and we are a virtual direct bank in the U.S. So for us, everything works online, digitally, uh, connecting their account from Canada to the U.S., transferring funds across the border real-time, Canadian dollar to U.S., U.S. dollar to Canadian in seconds between the, across the border, which allowed still allowed us to do that even if the border is shut down right now as we know yeah. but we 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 uh, yes we are a digital bank so you won't see brick and mortar but we do all uh, our uh, uh, mortgage uh, application pre-approval and closing digitally across Canada with our uh, I mean uh, across the border anywhere in Canada for anywhere in the US with our team of mortgage professionals based in Raleigh Got it. Got it. Got it. So, so, so um, again, layman's terms, the only way somebody in the United States who could bank would be able to bank with RBC based on what your strategy is, is that they would effectively have to migrate to Canada and, be, and become a, a resident. Correct. A resident <laughs> or citizen of Canada. Or, okay. You know what, Peter? Actually, that's a good nuance because if uh, for an American, let's say who have kids who are studying in Canada. Yep. So we can also help American citizens ah. to uh, do the same. And, and we help them with RBC in Canada, opening an account, RBC USA, transfer funds for the kids who are studying in Canada who needs money all the time. Yeah. So, so those are, uh, it, it works both ways, actually. Or actually an American looking to buy a property in Canada as a second home, maybe in the Atlantic provinces or something like that, to look at maybe some financing in Canada with RBC. That We have a non-Canadian resident program as well in Canada also for Americans. I see, I see. And then um, in terms of uh, 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 other places where RBC is located, you mentioned like 33 countries. Is it the same type of scenario? So if somebody's in one of those 33 countries, they, they effectively could take a tap into the RBC brand or uh, is the common denominator they always have, somebody has to be on the ground in, in the country of Canada? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, let's say to open an account with the regulator in Canada, the, the uh, the restriction is to be physically there in Canada to open the account. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but in the other countries, Peter, we, we have a different uh, 
prisons. Some of them are capital markets. Some of other countries, it might ah. be more international wealth management. It could be a trust company that manage trust for wealthy, uh, uh, you know, citizen of the world uh, and things like that. So we have different lines of business. But in North America, uh, Canada and, and the U.S., we have uh, more like a full-fledged kind of uh, service and offering. Got it, got it, got it. Now, now, in terms of in the United States, and and, and this will be primarily for uh, you know th- those Canadians who can bank with RBC, but they want to invest in the United States. Um, could, could can you talk a little bit about uh, kind of where the Canadians tend to invest or at least obtain financing through RBC uh, on residential real estate? What, what what parts of the country and and why? <laughs> Excellent points. Actually, for Canadians, Florida is always the first, the number one destination for them for vacation or for their leisure or for, uh, you know, investing in real estate. Uh, mm-hmm. We know the love, the long term love story between Canadians and, and of course, Florida. Uh, however, I will say the number one state where Canadians are buying the most is definitely Florida, followed by Arizona, usually, and California. As a quick example, uh, with the latest uh, report, NAR report, National Association of Realtors, yes. for the international report, last year covering like April 1st, 2019 to March 31st, 2020, Canadians purchased $9.5 billion of U.S. real estate, and 50% of that, Peter, was purchased right here in our Sunshine State. Wow, So $4.75 yeah, exactly. That speaks volume. Yeah. Now, now I, I've noticed in terms of my, my dealings with Canadians, and I, I've been going to Canada all my life. I grew up in Chicago, so we would take a holiday where we would jump in. My father would jump in a van. We had the old van, the Econo van, and we'd, we'd drive up, up through uh, uh, Detroit, uh, through Windsor and then just kind of wander around Ontario. And some of my clients are out in uh, um, uh, the Quebec province. And, and I've traveled extensively in Canada, you know, on the West Coast, British Columbia, stuff like that. So, so I, 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 I guess what I'm wondering is um, in terms of the interaction between Canada and the United States, a lot of people say Canada and the United States are kind of like brothers, big brother, uh, a little brother. And sometimes the big brother beats up on the little brother and vice versa. But the, how do Canadians view sort of the, the relationship between the United States and, and, and Canada, at least from a business perspective, not, not talking about politics? Actually, no, you're right. And they are um, like just as an example for trade partnership mm-hmm. or trade relationship, bilateral, Canada and Florida is Canada is the number one trade partner of Florida State. And, of course, the top one as well. And I believe it's about 32 states. So Canada, let's talk about Florida, for example. It was 3.5, actually, yeah, exactly 3.5 million visitors from Canada in 2018 because we don't have the numbers for 2019. And and if I could stop you there. So 3.5 million to Florida. From Canada, and you said there's 38 million people in Florida, uh, in Canada. In Canada, correct. So they wow. could be one week, uh, you know, in South uh, South Florida, could be one week at Orlando or sure. the West Coast, whatever. But it's 3.5 million visitors that were recorded, and and they actually have the 6.5 billion to the Florida economy with those number of visitors. Wow. And uh, if you look at it in term of state tax uh, they, that represent about 680 million dollar of, of taxes and i won't i i didn't mention even the that they own currently peter they own about 60 billion of real estate in florida only which represent about 600 million in property taxes just in the economy for florida 
Now, now I, I want to hammer into that a little bit more uh, in segment number two, uh, definitely, because I want to I want to look back to where we were uh, during the Great Recession, because the Canadians played a crucial role in places like South Florida being able to recover. But I want to do that in phase in in the second segment. Now, now, um, in terms of uh, uh, Florida, obviously, people coming to Florida from what we see down here in South Florida is you get a lot of people from Quebec. They'll go ahead. They'll jump in their car. They own a condo down here. They'll they'll drive on down. They'll spend four months, five months, six months. Um, who, who are the people who are buying in Arizona and California? Are they coming from the western portion of Canada? And is a lot of that oil money or is that tech money out of the BC, British Columbia? Or can you sort of provide a little bit of insight there? Sure, uh, Peter. It's about a blend of uh, all of that. It's, uh, first of all, western provinces like BC, Alberta, will most likely uh, tend to go straight south. You know, they, they like to just go south to yep. like Arizona, California, some extent Nevada. So the, the, folks, from the, the folks from Ontario and Quebec and the, the Maritimes, the Atlantic provinces, sorry, will tend to come to Florida, East Coast, to West Coast, um, and, and of course, Central Florida, uh, and more and more to uh, some extent. But if you look at the... On, uh, the, the the Sunshine State itself, it's mainly, you're right, number one from Quebec and then Ontario. Ontario, you also have now d- direct flights with like WestJet between Toronto and uh, and Phoenix Airport. Like it's a four-hour flight instead of a three-hour flight to come here. So uh, by adding those flights, direct flights in the last few years, a little bit more maybe Canadians than usual uh, in the past uh, here for, from that uh, now also are uh, also adding up to uh, Arizona as well. Uh, interesting, interesting. And is there a particular place in Arizona they had? Is it, um, is it Scottsdale? Is it Phoenix? Is it Flagstaff? A- any part of Arizona that you've noticed that Canadians are clustering? Uh, will be more like in the valley. You're right. Scottsdale, okay. the uh, f- you know west side of the city, like uh, uh, Chandler and Goodyear and all that, where the new construction is is done, uh, like gated community golf country club style, like we have here. So they will because some people they, they just don't mind about having a uh, you know the ocean or not having the beach. They have yeah. lakes, but they don't have the beautiful beach the beaches that we have here. So and they look at the drier sometimes weather because they just want basically play golf, hiking, and all that. So uh, this is really kind of you know the type of lifestyle in in the valley that uh, they look like a, a lot of gated country club style community type. Got it. Got it. Got it. And uh, Ellen, um, we've already reached the end of our first segment, so I'm going to go ahead and take a commercial break. You listen to the Count of Vultures podcast. On the other side of the break, I'm going to ask Ellen Forget uh, the critical questions about what's going on currently in the real estate market from what from his perch. And also, too, I'm going to ask him, what the hell is smoked meat and how do I taste some? So stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side. Don't buy a South Florida condo discounted or distressed before taking a Condo Vultures correction tour. CondoVultures.com offers weekly bus and walking tours that focus on educating buyers on the how-tos of identifying discounted condos analyzing the opportunities, and purchasing units. Every tour attendee receives a list of all condo projects in a particular market, a market assessment handout, and unmatched expert analysis. For more information on the condo correction tours, please visit condovultures.eventbrite.com or call 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast. This is Peter Zaluski. I'm having a conversation with somebody that I consider a real estate player. This is part of our real estate players profile. His name is Alan Forger. He is the head of sales and business development for RBC Bank. RBC Bank is a U.S. institution, but ultimately the mothership, if you will, the parent company is going to be based out of Canada. Alan, I still got you. You didn't, you didn't run for the hills, huh? 
No, I'm still there. I'm not moving. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I always like to uh, tap into uh, local know-how in terms of, uh, and granted, we're going through a pandemic right now. Restaurants are closed, things like that. But I always like to, um, you know, tap into some of the culture that exists down here in South Florida. You know, people like yourself, myself, everyone, you know, they bring a different uh, mindset. So I'm wondering, um, uh, can you tell people what smoked meat is? Because that's, that, that, that's a cornerstone, at least in my opinion, of, of the Montreal and the Quebec uh, cuisine, maybe even the whole Canadian cuisine. And then where, where, where did, if any place, can you actually get it in South Florida if somebody wants to sample it? Yes, uh, actually, that's a good one. Um, Everybody knows the, the famous Montreal smoked meat. Uh, it's kind of a corned beef, I will say, maybe a little drier, but it can be also a little bit more, more fat. Uh, and sometimes they put like those dry spices uh, to, to it, which just give a little kick. I yep. will say for anyone who goes to Montreal at some point when hopefully the border will reopen yes. and you are uh, downtown around downtown, you must go to Schwartz. Schwartz is the, the mech of smoked meat in Montreal. And believe it or not, it's owned by Celine Dion. It's part of it. Uh, is that the, right? Yeah, the ownership is they, they bought her and her late husband uh, many, many years ago. They bought uh, a part of it, if it's not the entire. Uh, it, it's kind of an institution. You have to line up to get the smoked meat there, but it's the best one you can get in Montreal, the famous Montreal. And, and then you have a few other ones who are good downtown and all that, uh, mm-hmm. which you, you can find on St. Catherine Street or downtown. The other one is on St. Lawrence Street. Here locally, Peter, I will say when we feel for a smoked meat and a poutine, yep. um, uh, we love to, to go to um, Dania, uh, Dairy Bell is called. It's kind of a Dairy Queen slash Quebec slash smoked meat slash uh, poutine and everything, uh, hot dogs and burgers. So it's a kind of a Montreal, Quebec type flavor of food. And a lot of Quebecers and the snowbirds during the winter, they all go there. And it's now on Dinia Beach uh, between A1, uh, US1 and A1 uh, in the mall, in the strip there. It's called Dairy Bell. Dairy, did, didn't it used to be located right there on Federal Highway, yes. just south of Dania Beach Boulevard? Exactly, but they moved uh, a couple months ago. They finally moved after being in that shack, I will say. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was definitely a shack, but I mean that in a good way because the food yes. and what you're saying must have been spectacular. Yeah, so if you want a full experience of that kind of Montreal food, but again, Montreal has a lot of great food out there, but here locally, if you want to see something, you know, typical, typically Montreal flavor, yep. poutine and smoked meat, you can get it at the Rebel for sure. <laughs> And, and, and poutine, you, you have to explain that. And I would encourage anybody who wants to try poutine, you probably don't want to do it in August when it's like a 95 degrees and 100% humidity. But, uh, Ellen, can you explain what uh, poutine is for the listener? Yeah. yeah, simply, I mean, if you have high cholesterol, avoid, <laughs> avoid that, <laughs> obviously, because it's fries, it's beef gravy, and it's cheese curds and, nice. and melted cheese on it. So it's, it's a beautiful blend, tasteful but highly, highly fat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, but it's that comfort food. That's why I was saying, if you eat exactly. it in the wintertime, you're, you're going to be warm for a while. You don't have to worry about that. And you'll probably sleep good from all the carbs. Yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if it's 25 degrees below zero in Montreal in, in January, you certainly want that comfort food <laughs> to warm you up. 
Exactly. Now, now, Alan, here we are. We sit here on the brink of what would uh, be our winter tourism season, our winter buying season. We're, you know, it's uh, it's just about October. We're recording this on the 29th of September. And um, typically this is a time when people are starting to get excited. They're starting to think, OK, um, we're through August because no one's in town in August. September, you're starting to ramp up, put together your business plan. October, you start to get some uh, early arrivals who are interested in maybe doing some business down here in South Florida related to real estate. And then come November and around Thanksgiving time, which is late November, things really start to pick up. And then there's like a crescendo, if you will, probably in February around the boat show in Miami and or the Coconut Grove Arts Festival. Uh, those seem to be like the peaks. Um, what What is it you're doing now? Because nobody can travel um, nobody's been out of their house uh, for any kind of recreational purpose in six months because of the pandemic. W- w- you know, what, w- what are you seeing on a, on a, on a business side and, and what do you got? W- w- what's, what's the situation? Yes. And, and unfor- you know, this is uh, obviously for everyone an unfortunate, unprecedented time for a challenging time. And, and uh, actually, you're uh, exactly right, Peter, because it's usually September, October time that when Canadians, especially the Canadian typical snowbirds who are mm-hmm. spending three, four, five, six months here to avoid the Canadian winter. Uh, and with all the uncertainty with the border closed since March, mid-March and now, most likely, obviously, is going to uh, up to the end of November and maybe even extended more. So a lot of people are kind of on the sideline right now, kind of yep. wait and see uh, because of the health announcement and what may come up in the next few weeks, few months ahead of us here, ahead of us, of course, in in, the, in uh, Canada. So uh, as we know, the, the the actually the ground border is closed, but a lot of Canadians can still fly here from uh, Montreal, Toronto, whatever, uh, from Canada to come down here to check their property and all that. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, if they stay here a week or two, when they go back, they have to be quarantined for uh, 14 days. So this this is really unfortunate. So a lot of them right now, I think, Peter, it's about about 50-50. 50% say, nope. We're not going this winter for sure. We're not. We're not there. However, the other fifty will say, "Well, we we looking still to go. Maybe instead of November, we'll go in January, or even maybe just February for a few months instead of five six months." Yep. So that's the kind of sentiment that we we getting at this uh, present time. I see. I see. Now, now there's been a refinance boom that's uh, out of control in the United States, and a lot of it has to do with uh, interest rates being where they are. And people uh, basically refinancing, trying to take advantage of effectively federal funds rate, which is close to zero and probably will be for the foreseeable future. People are getting mortgages of 3%, whatever the case. They're pulling money out. They're rehabbing their houses. They're doing things like that. What, what about your, your clientele um, uh, and their investments in Florida? Um, are you seeing a refinance boom uh, for them, at least at this point? Or is this simply a U.S. phenomenon? No, it's not, Peter. It's actually the same thing with Canadians. Because let's go back in memory lane for a moment. I remember last week you were talking with Seema and uh, Dawood uh, about the perfect storm. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Up in, to- uh, up in Orlando. Yeah, that would have been our podcast number. What is that? That would have been number 48, uh, 48. Which, which came out on Friday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So uh, I, I really enjoy your conversation with them about, you know, the perfect storm, obviously, 2008, 2011, 12. Uh, Canadians were... Uh, you know, big buyers, it was a perfect storm for a Canadian buyer. So they bought cash because the dollar was at par, around par between 2010, 2013. So low price, uh, of course, uh, Canadian dollar uh, equal to US dollar, perfect storm. And then, of course, we got a peak on the currency. Uh, mm-hmm. And then suddenly, of course, it went down. And then it came up about 2013, 14, it, it went to par. So lots of Canadians during that period of time, Peter, 
uh, purchase cash, their property. And believe it or not, from the NER, um, of course, international report that we were uh, mentioning earlier, yep. uh, about $130 billion was, uh, has been purchased by Canadians during the last 10 years since it, basically that uh, you know, perfect storm or, or credit crisis or real estate crisis back in those days. So they purchased 130 billion, if you add all those last 10 years, for about 400,000 properties. Number one again, state. Wow. Yeah. 400,000 properties. Yes, sir. And uh, I will say uh, 40 to 50% of that in the Sunshine State, Peter, because it's always number one state. Second, between uh, Arizona and California. So all the trend. Canadians are the num- number uh, one or two of international buyers of, of Florida properties. Mm-hmm. Actually, in Florida, they're number one. Nationwide, they are number two after China. But mm-hmm. uh, here, uh, they are. They own here, like I said, $60 billion just in, in Florida. So with that said, Peter, a lot of them own debt-free, upright. Yep. And, and, and they've seen their value of their property, even if they bought five, six years ago when it was a par, the, the value of their property increased significantly. I mean, in some areas, 25, 30, 40, and even more. So, and then the Canadian dollar, what happened last for five years? It went down. It was from the dollar to dollar to 75 cents right now. Yeah. That represents a very important upside for them of, of uh, you know, actually ju- just to take out that equity or to unlock that equity because now that they have a dollar US that they can bring to Canada and exchange to Canadian dollar with a 30% uh, uh, you, you know, upside, and yep. then their property went up in value. So what we have seen over the last few months of the pandemic, the first few months, two, three months, they were like kind of on standby. Let's look at what's going on. And then suddenly they realized that, oh, what's going on with the, the Canadian dollar went down to 70 cents at some point. Yes. And then they say, let's let's unlock this equity, U.S. equity. So that's where RBC Bank can provide up to 80% of the value of their property, okay. uh, a, ref, a full refi mortgage, or uh, through a home equity line of credit through a home equity line of credit okay okay and uh in, in terms of the process of the procedure if 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 a client or a customer of yours is already an existing customer and they say hey listen we want to refinance uh ellen um what, what what's the process and then can you walk me through the process for maybe somebody who uh maybe used a different institution whether it's a u.s institution and or a competitor of yours in Canada, what would be the process? Because remember, there's COVID and nobody necessarily wants to be going out and talking with people and dealing with people. Sure. And chances are they're, you know, they're up in Canada and they, and they can't, um, you know, they can't get down to South Florida uh, for the foreseeable future. So can you kind of walk through that process? Sure, sure, Peter. And, and here's the thing. Again, RBC Bank USA, we're a dedicated uh, national residential lender just for Canadians. So it, for them, what we do is we qualify them, Peter, based on their Canadian credit story, okay, income, debt, assets from Canada or from the U.S., of course. And then we qualify them. And all of that process is done remotely over the phone or, uh, of course, digitally online. They can pre uh, get, let's say they want to, uh, you know, uh, let, let's talk about the U.S. home equity for now, uh, and then we can make it easy. So they can start the process, everything, again, online or by uh, by phone, and they apply with us, and they can, uh, everything is done, even if they are in Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. from our team of uh, mortgage professionals that work, uh, only works with Canadians. So they, they really uh, assist them each step of the way to walk them through the process and give uh, take the application, get them qualified, 
and and prepare the closing uh, across the border because we do mail away closing. Obviously, nobody can can cross the border right now. So, sure. so we facilitate the closing. So a lot of people would just got refinancing cash out, Peter, to reinvest here, to bring money back to Canada, do whatever they, they want with it. But also others with home equity line of credit make it available to get access to US dollar, not to have to pay 32, 33, 34% premium each time they need US dollar. So sure. this is why we've seen all that, Peter. And, and this is the beauty of our mo business model, Peter, is because we have a digital online uh, process that make all that very seamless. However, just the thing, Canadians can do a uh, mortgage within five to seven days in Canada. It's easy process. They go to their bank and all that with RBC, let's say they do. In the U.S., we know it takes 30 to 45 days, different, you know, steps process. Uh, yes. However, we, we kind of make it that, uh, demystify all that, but we facilitate each step of the way what they need to provide documentation, how, how this process will work, mm -hmm. and we walk them through each step of the way up to the closing, and they can stay in Toronto, Montreal, and we will close, mail away uh, two, three thousand, you know, fifteen hundred or two thousand miles away from, from uh, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now, okay, so, so generally speaking, if somebody's refinancing and they're already a customer of RBC and they have their mortgage, where, how long are they looking in terms of days or weeks uh, to get a refi done on an existing property? And the only thing to do is looking for maybe pull a little bit of cash out and they're, and they're looking to lower the interest rate. How, how long would that take in generally speaking? Generally speaking, Peter, it's about 30 to 40 days. About 30, which, is, which is really normal, maybe even quick normal. down here. In, normal, in exactly, exactly normal because not because they are Canadians going to take more time because as you know for you and I who lives here yep. who live here it's the same thing. Uh, however, what we do also is we're very competitive. We don't charge for a national premium because they are Canadians. Mm -hmm. We don't penalize that. So the rates are like you said before historically low. Yes, between two and three quarter for like a three year term to a ten year at three and three eight uh, percent. So. The, you know, uh, for 10 year uh, term or uh, all 30 year amortization. So for them right now, the rates like that, I mean, those are the lowest rates we had for four or five years. And then the prime rate is at 3.25% uh, yep. here. Yep. So they can get a home equity line at 3%, three and a quarter right now, which, you know, for them, it's make it very cost effective to do so a strategy like that across the border for refinancing or cash out uh, opportunity. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows you want to have some cash on hand, whether, because we don't know what's going to happen with the pandemic, or maybe there's going to be opportunity that you might want to be able to move quickly to take advantage, just like the Canadians did last go around. Now, now, Alan, let, let me ask you about, what about new customers? What about maybe somebody who's at a competitor bank and they're saying, you know what? Um, I like the way what Alan's talking about. I like the description of smoked meat. Uh, let, let, let me give him a call and <laughs> let, let me see how competitive he is. Um, I, how does that process work? Just, just in terms of timeline. I know you kind of laid it out, but, but what are you looking at? Is it the same 30 to 45 day window or is it maybe a little bit prolonged simply because you don't have the established relationship with those people? No, actually, Peter, it's exactly the same huh. timeline, same period of time. And you know what? We're here for Canadians. Yes. So if they are with RBC or not, yep. we are dedicated to help Canadians to get access to U.S. credit in way of, of mortgage or we of home equity line of credit. And we will treat them uh, the same way that if they will be existing RBC clients in Canada. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, now um, what, one of the discussions that's going on down here in uh, South Florida especially in Dade County uh, right now, Alan, is uh, property taxes are going to start to become due November 1st. If you pay it, you get a discount. 
And ultimately, it's due, I think, at the end of April. And every month in advance, you pay it. But, but the point I'm making is the property taxes are based on the assessed value as of January of 2020. And we all know the world changed. Uh, here we are. We're sitting here on the brink of October. It's a much different world than when it was in January. And valuations, while they might be going up on the house side, single-family house side, um, you know, there's some real questions about the condo side, the vertical side. So I'm wondering, as a banker, um, what, what, what kind of strategy are, is your institution taking? Because we don't know where prices are going to go. We don't, we don't know if this, uh, you know, this run-up in house prices is going to hold. And we don't know if this, uh, you know, this condo uh, situation, you know, we don't know what direction is going to go. So, so I guess I'm wondering from a financing perspective, what precautions or what steps or what exactly is your institution or other Canadian institutions doing just because the future is so unpredictable given the pandemic and its widespread effect? And it doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel anytime soon. Yeah, that's actually a, very, a lot of the uncertainty with that uh, context. The only certainty we have right now, Peter, is we know there's going to be a winter in Canada in a <laughs> few months. <laughs> that's the only certainty. And you're exactly right. That, that is the sentiment of a lot of our uh, clients who are, who are, or Canadians who are owning uh, U.S. real estate or Florida real estate. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. You're exactly right. I mean, November is coming soon now. Uh, property taxes and then the insurance will come. And of course, the HOAs and sometimes membership golf and whatever or special assessment and their condo and that. So here's the thing. That's the thing for Canadians. Who, they are looking right now for their options mm -hmm. because a lot of them are wait and see kind of status. Yep. So they're going to they're going to still now looking at. Option one, maybe for them, will be to sell. They say maybe we won't go this year and maybe we won't go anymore because of all of that, we don't. So we're going to just cash out, get U.S. equity out by way of selling. Mm -hmm. They may also contemplate to not come in, but they say, okay, let's try to generate U.S. rental income. Let's try maybe to rent yes. the property if we can for a few months or during the winter time and, and so. And then the other ones will be the one that we just discussed prior is kind of sit on, on that way, but at the same time, they want to get access to U.S. dollar because they don't, they don't have those U.S. dollars to pay those 10000 or 15000 or $20,000 expenses on their property. So they need to have access to U.S. And then they own the property debt-free and upright. So why not to refi or get a home equity line to get at least that to bridge those costs because they see the cost, but they don't see the benefits of that. They don't enjoy the property or they won't enjoy the property if they're not coming during the winter, you see? So this is why for us, we see that the kind of uh, clients who are looking for assessing their options. And for us, we're kind of a very... Uh, kind of a conservative kind of brain bank approach is always 20% down. We can refi up to 80% of the value, the current value, assets value of their property. Okay. And of course, there might be some swing in the market in the upcoming months. And we've seen the momentum that we have seen, of course, over the last few months that the prices are increasing, low inventory. So all of that, we track everything. We see the trends, the needs of our clients. We try to be ahead of the curve for them to be resourceful, to bring the solution, advice, and, and of course, uh, uh, education points that they need to know and understand. Got it, got it, got it. Now, now Ellen, you, you've been on the ground here in South Florida for quite some time. You've dealt with hurricanes. You've yeah. dealt with you, uh, real estate cycles. You, de you dealt with a tech market, uh, stock market crash related to tech. Um, you, you've sort of seen everything. Um, where does this pandemic uh, uh, come in? What is 2020 like? And uh, throw in on top of that, A, we're still in hurricane season, and B, we got a presidential election coming up. How, how, how insane of a, of a year is this for you? And, um, and also, too, this is probably right now when you're working on your budget for 2021. 
So can you can you just sort of talk about what what your strategy is going forward and how this year compares to other years uh, during your two decades on the ground in South Florida? Yeah, that's actually a good, uh, very good question, Peter. And I think it's the same than you and a lot of people here. It's difficult to understand everything's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I think we all want to move forward quickly to 2021. And, and of course, as a more like optimistic view of uh, the, the near future, still a lot of uncertainty out there. Uh, however, I think it's the most important for everyone is to, you know, stick with the facts look at what is, is going on, do our homework, mm-hmm. uh, look at uh, where we're standing, what the options are, and, and obviously, you know, hope for, for, the, for, for the best for the future. Because, you know, I think it's to follow also the ground rules of the government, of course, from the U.S., Canada, about the, you know, uh, social distancing, mask yes. and, and things like that. And, of course, the traveling restrictions and everything. I think it's, it's just to be... Uh, we're going to go out of that. We, yes, we want 2020 beyond us. We hope for a vaccine, hopefully in early 2021. But again, I don't have that crystal ball, but I wish, you know, things will, will just, I, I'm optimistically realistic, like you said before, again, as yeah. a banker. Yeah. That, you know, cautiously optimistic. You were not permitted to say that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying that now because I'm allowed to, uh, like you said. So uh, to to see, you know, that maybe hopefully the worst is behind us. And, and of course, it's going to take some time. It's, it's going to be a new... Uh, a new normal we know that yep. but i think we have to comply with with that and and adjust and be kind of open-minded to to react and and uh, just keep moving got it got it got it now now last question we take before we take our next commercial break alan i'm i'm wondering just just your, your experience when you're looking at canadian borrowers uh, those that come to rbc because they want to go ahead and they want to get financing do they tend to buy in florida do they tend to buy condos or do they tend to buy horizontal meaning single family houses what's the breakdown like i know on the condo market in south florida if you look at the mls you're going to see it's probably 55 45 60 40 uh condos the houses simply because of price but 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 how is it for the canadian user and and owner and investor of real estate in south florida and florida in general Sure. And here, Peter, I'm going to go back to the numbers I, I yep. shared earlier. $9.5 billion was purchased. This represents 18,300 properties okay. that they purchased for an average price point of $517,000. Nice. So for, as you know, the market very well, even much better than me as a real estate professional and broker. So you see the beauty of Florida, Peter, is if you have $200,000 to invest for a property under the sun, mm-hmm. you can find something. Mm-hmm. If you have half a mil, three quarter of a mil or $3 million, you're going to find that dream home under the sun. And, and as a lender, we, we're here to assist and help to be resourceful for them, the real estate professionals and all that, to, to, for the U.S. homeownership. And if you look at the National Association of Realtors, again, uh, yep. for Canadians, about 36-37% of all the purchases they done last year were, uh, was for condo. Okay. And then uh, 50%-ish, seven, uh, 52 for single homes. Oh, interesting. Okay, so mm-hmm. Canadians are buying a lot of single-family homes. Because I thought it yes, was just, uh, the, well, you know what, I, I specialize in condos, so that's probably why. I was leaning towards the condo side, but wow, that, that's interesting to know. Very interesting yeah. to know. And we, we have clients who own uh, multi-million dollar condos in Miami. However, uh, if you spread that to the Tri-County, Peter, it's, it's a mix of uh, uh, single home. But uh, I will say Southeast Florida is mainly probably more even or equal for condo 
and obviously single homes. But you have like uh, West, uh, Southwest Florida, yep. uh, for example, they will tend to go more single homes and, and kind of community gated the uh, golf country club type. Uh, but I will say Southeast Florida, uh, it's probably uh, close to 50-50 in that tri-county market. Got it. Got it. So, so over in Southwest Florida, where, where's a real popular, like, like for instance, anybody... Anybody in South Florida, really, when you talk about Canadians, you're probably going to talk about Southeast Broward County is like uh, re- really a place where there's a lot of Canadians. Where, where would it be in Southwest Florida? What uh, what particular area do a lot of Canadians tend to cluster or congregate? Yeah, I will say Peter, be- between Naples and Sarasota, okay. including Fort Myers area. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. They, they really, uh, it's, it's interesting because on the West Coast of Florida, mm-hmm. it's a lot more, many more people from Ontario. Yep. While Southeast, as you know, is a lot of people from Quebec. I guess they take the 95, they go straight down, and then they, that's so, right. You know, from the north to the south. And, and then um, Orlando, how, how, what about Canadian investment in Orlando, Tampa, uh, Jacksonville? Any, any kind of uh, insight uh, related to that? Yeah, quickly, Central Florida is is giving a lot also to Canadians in terms of, again, affordability, mm-hmm. the short-term rental zoning. A lot of Canadians who are younger boomers don't spend five, six months here yet. Yep. So they want to use it for two months maybe, but they also want to rent yes. while they're not there. So Orlando has a, the appeal of, of having a lot of products at different price points that can offer those, if they have 250000 to invest or $500,000, they can find also. And, and they, will, they will tend to be in gated community, uh, three, four bedroom, five bedroom, and, and they can just uh, rent the property while they're not using it. So Central Florida has became over the last few years uh, kind of uh, also a very high uh, uh, market of like uh, uh, Dawood was saying last week, it, it has a lot of opportunities there as well. And, and you know, entire Florida is still affordable for Canadians, Peter, because you know, the real estate is very expensive in Toronto, Vancouver, yes. uh, Ottawa, Montreal. So here we talk about two, three, four, five hundred dollars a square foot. And of course, if you have high rise condo downtown Miami or near the beach in Fort Lauderdale, obviously you're going to pay the premium for, per square foot to, to be there. Yep. But if you go inland, I mean, you can find some something nice for $300 per square foot. While in Toronto right now, it's about more $1,000 per square foot. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Wow. Wow. Yes. Well, I think that's a, that's a, that, that, that's shocking information, and that's probably a good time for us to take a, our next commercial break. So you listen to the Kind of Vulture podcast. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the future. And even though Alan Forger does not want to pull out that crystal ball, we're going to make him do so, and we're going to ask him what he sees coming down the pike. So stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side. Challenging times for real estate calls for experts that help you to navigate the new normal in the process of buying or selling property in South Florida. At CBA Realty, we listen carefully and advise based on stats, local knowledge, and experience. For more information, call us at 305-865-5859 or visit our website, CBRRealty.com. Com. Welcome back to the Count of Vultures podcast. This is Peter Zalewski. I'm having a conversation with Alan Forget. Don't forget, his name is Forget. F O R G E T. For any of you who don't speak, any of you who don't speaking uh, French, much like me, Alan is the head of sales and business development for RBC Bank, which is headquartered in the United States. But ultimately, it's a um, it's an entity that's controlled by the mothership, which is out of Canada. So. Alan, let's, let, let me ask you a question. You come from Montreal, one of the original hockey teams in the National Hockey League. I come from Chicago, another original team. Who just won the Stanley Cup? The Tampa Bay Lightning? Is this you blasphemy? What, what, what is this? 
I'm so happy and so proud that the Stanley Cup is ending uh, in, in Florida, Peter. <laughs> but, but certainly not with the Panthers, uh, Florida Panthers, obviously. But I used to be a big uh, Montreal Canadian fan. I played hockey since I was five years old. Nice. And uh, like any Canadians, I mean, I got uh, hockey DNA uh, when I was born. But uh, I played a lot of hockey and uh, I was truly a Habs fan until we moved to Florida and we became... Uh, season ticket holder for the Florida Panthers to see all the teams from all over Canada and the U.S. to come and play and beat our Panthers. That's fantastic. And, and you actually, your office is out in uh, Plantation, right? In Broward, uh, Western Broward County? Yeah, that's correct. And, and uh, sometimes they say the executive decides where, uh, you know, to set up the office close to where he lives or what he likes. You're a hockey fan. You got season tickets. Your office isn't very far from where the Panthers play. Coincidence or... <laughs> Pure coincidence, Peter, because actually last month we celebrated our 20th anniversary for our home in Weston. Oh, wow. Nice, nice, nice. So, 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 so Alan, you, you, you have a bunch of good stories. You deal with a lot of Canadians, been dealing with them for quite some time. You know the lay of the land down here in South Florida. You actually got a real estate license because so many people are coming to you and you want to know anything and everything related to that. Why don't you share with us one of the stories of uh, maybe a Canadian uh, uh, experience you've had in South Florida Sure, Peter, and thanks for the uh, opportunity. And, and of course, we want to be here again to provide the insights, the, the education and, and advice that they need to understand. This is a different country. Rules, regs, practices, terminology are quite different than in Canada. And as I said before, it takes seven days to get a mortgage in Canada from application to closing while we know 30 to 45 days here. Mm -hmm. So here's, uh, here's one, and this is why we, we want to be resourceful, but it, it, for the real estate professionals also here in Florida, like you, who are working with Canadians to understand the nuances or the cultural differences or, or, or what Canadians, like you said, will ask the question. So we, we don't just provide the mortgage that they need. We want them to also uh, understand like about uh, ownership structure, the legal tax, estate issues, uh, insurance, home insurance. There's, there's a lot of differences between Canada and the U.S. Deductions, so we have, deductions uh, tax deductions on your, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything that they need to know, either from a legal tax estate standpoint, because they are Canadians, they're not Americans, like gift tax, for example, mm -hmm. or things like they think that they can do like in Canada, but are different uh, rules uh, in terms of uh, legal or tax uh, uh, treatment. So here's the thing. We, we developed this network of uh, cross-border professionals in those areas of expertise so we can bring those resources and advice to them beside also providing the mortgage. So here's a quick story. Yep. To, last year, I got a client from uh, Toronto. He said, I retired last year uh, with my wife. We sold our big home in Oakville, nice suburb of Toronto, as you know, a mm -hmm. couple million dollar. He said, Alain, I'm buying this home, uh, eight-bedroom home, six-bed bath, uh, 3,800 square feet in this beautiful golf co community in Orlando. And, uh, I said, and he said, we're going to spend four or five months there. And he said, uh, we bought a condo downtown Toronto uh, when we were in Canada. So he said, I, I, he bought the condo in Toronto for 1,000 a, a square feet mm -hmm. for a million dollars. 1,000 square feet for a million dollars. Wow. Remember that? Yeah, he got a 3,800 square feet home here in Orlando, brand new, yep. golf course, gated, everything, 15 minutes from the park. I said, Tony, why, why are you buying such a big home in Florida? Because he said, Elaine, it's only $500,000. <laughs> I love it. And, yeah, and he said, my, my kids and my grandkids, Elaine, when they come to visit us for a few weeks during the winter, we want to be all under the same roof. Yes. So you see that, that story, and I said, well, you 
bought your condo downtown Toronto for a mill for a thousand square foot feet. And then he said, yeah, Lane, but if you look at averaging my cost, I'm doing pretty good. I said, you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a very interesting story. Now, um, uh, you, you know, uh, Alan, you, you have a lot of interesting stories. Why, why, why don't you take us back to um, uh, the, the last real estate run up in South Florida, especially as it pertains to condos. And then um, what, what was the aftermath of that when the Canadians basically came in with their strong uh, Canadian loony and their, their, their cultural affinity with South Florida. And they basically backstopped the South Florida condo and real estate market because they were willing to go ahead and buy when others weren't. Many of the U.S. Uh, investors were tapped out and or they'd gone bad on properties. They didn't have the credit. And there were the Canadians that backstop our market and ultimately lead towards uh, a recovery much quicker than many people would have thought uh, last go around. So could, can you kind of sort of share some of the insight you have from, um, say, 2004 up until about 2010? Yeah, yes, sure. Memorial Lane, uh, Peter, in, in that time, I remember about 2005, six. I was driving on 95 going toward Miami. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, as I was stuck in the traffic, I was counting the trains. Yep. And there were 24 trains uh, all <laughs> over Miami that I can see from my car. Uh, and stuck in the traffic, obviously, at 5-10 miles an hour to count those 24 screen, uh, uh, trains. I said, oh, my God. This is a lot of condos. Yeah. And obviously, we know what happened in yep. 2008, 9, 10. Here's the thing. The first two years, Peter, I will say Canadians were kind of a, okay, wait and see, looking at the, and then suddenly the investors started to say, okay, remember that Canadians culturally are conservative. Yes. They, 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 they have a very conservative approach. They're going to have a lot of questions. They don't want to be a you know, have too much, much debt and all that, they mm -hmm. kind of, but the investors, they saw the opportunity. They said, well, look at those correction of the prices of, you know, from 30, 40, 50% uh, from, from a year or two ago. Yep. So they were looking at that. And then the Canadian dollar in, the, in about the, this, this back like uh, 2007, eight, mm -hmm. uh, and then it's, it's been back to 2010, 11, Canadian dollar was at par. Yep. So they brought their loony, like you said, and they purchased cash. Some of them investors were buying multiple properties and maybe lower price point, but yep. others were buying more high end uh, type, but for at the discount, they were, they were excited about that. And that's the years where, you know, like the following years, uh, like 2010, 11, 12, they were buying like, yeah, there is no limit, you know, and th those are back to the days where they were uh, buying like 14, 15, 16 billion dollar of U.S. real estate. And, and, and of course, last year I said 9.5, which is good, but there are a few years that they were at uh, 18 and 19 billion dollar in, yeah. in those times. So they, they kind of purchased cash and all that. That's why, like I said before, they built a lot of U.S. equity because they purchased that when the market was at the lowest uh, price point, uh, you know, following the, this uh, credit crisis. And they took advantage of that. And then you have the other ones who say, no, I just want a second home. I want to have a, you know, in, instead of paying two, three, four thousand dollars a month to rent the property for five, six months, uh, I prefer to own my place and, and to use it and, uh, as a long term investment. And as a second home, beautiful also an uh, opportunity to invest. So a lot of that, uh, obviously, years later. Uh, increased obviously in value mm -hmm. and those people like refinancing that maybe to improve the property or, or do some you know whatever ups, uh, ups, upside to to it but others what they did Peter they bought like a two bedroom two bath condo yep. and they say LA uh, six seven eight years later we have current kids now 
um, when they come, we don't want to, uh, you know, have them to stay uh, at the hotel. So we're buying a, a single home with four bedroom, five bedroom, and then they move to uh, from a two two or three two uh, condo to uh, four or five bedroom homes. So, uh, or you know, others what they did, Peter, they kept their condo. And they're renting it out yep. uh, because the rental market is so good here, short term and, and I mean, uh, seasonal as well as all year long. And, and with all that, so, so now they bought another property. So they kept the, the condo for uh, investment rental uh, yeah. purpose. And then they use the other one as a second home. So this is really uh, what I've seen during that last 10, 12 years, Peter. And now they're, you know, they still compelling uh, value of uh, affordability. They can uh, get a good ROI because obviously when they're not there, sometimes they can rent for a few months, um, subject to, uh, of course, the HOA uh, bylaws and all that, but, or, or zoning. But uh, that's the, the type of clients we, we've seen over the last few years, younger zoo, uh, boomers yep. who are not retired yet, but they, they still want to enjoy. And us, also they want to generate some U.S. cash flow, a rental cash flow to cover the cost. So, so, so last cycle, as you mentioned, the Canadians were buying. And again, I, I would put last cycle from 2003 to 2010, a peak in six, uh, bottom in nine or 10. And then mm-hmm. 11, we start building again because many Canadians, like you said, they were buying stuff, which began our next cycle of new construction. So, so, so 11 onward uh, in terms of new construction, how active were the Canadian investors, at least from what you can see what you're financing related to new construction? Um, I know they were getting in and there's some Canadian developers uh, up in uh, Fort Lauderdale who were building like, um, you know, mid-rise type of projects that were just expansive. They were on the finger, uh, uh, finger canals, if you will, on Las Olas going from the downtown to the beach. Um, they put up some other projects, but, but the Canadians purchased a lot of pre-construction condos this go around. And if they did, were they traditional condos or do they tend to congregate or go towards condo hotels because they wanted that ability to rent it out when they weren't actually on the ground? Yeah, actually, it's a good kind of blend of that, Peter, because some of them that can afford a million dollar property on the canal in Las, Las Olas or, yep. or in Miami. Uh, uh, of course, those those people, you know, for them, they're wealthy and that they, they may have paid cash. Uh, others, you're right. It's more from a pure investment standpoint that they they want to make sure like the condo hotel uh, type of, and I won't mention any names, but I, like, you know, uh, here locally that offers like a, a clay uh, turnkey type of service. So they, they, they keep their uh, few weeks, uh, but they have the ownership, obviously, but they keep their uh, four, five, six weeks during the year. Yep. But they still want to rent because that's the active boomer lifestyle, cross-border lifestyle where we've seen a lot. And of course, many of them are five, six, seven years away from retirement, but they say, Alain, we're going to enjoy full time when we get there. But for now, uh, we don't mind to buy a million dollar because that property, the same property condo hotel whatever will be a million five in vancouver or a million four five to uh, toronto so for us eight nine hundred thousand dollars so the the thing is for us as a lender peter mm-hmm. we we for a second home we require 20 percent down and we can go up to two million and even more by exception okay and again we qualify them by because it's not just that the, a lot of them are wealthy enough to pay cash i i will admit however nobody likes to pay 
33, 34% premium. So for example, that $400,000 property that they can, let's say an average five, four, 500,000. Yeah. If you exchange that at 34% exchange, yep. it, it's it's going to make it 150 to $175,000 more. So that $400,000 property become a $550,000 Canadian. So yes, our real estate is affordable, but when they think as Canadian, they have to pay as in, with Canadian dollars and they say, well, Elaine, the Canadian dollars are 75 cents. But this is why a U.S. mortgage is so cost effective is because they only have to exchange the 20 percent down. And here's the thing, Peter, that a lot of people don't realize. As mm-hmm. Americans, we know that because all our mortgages are open in the U.S. Yes. In, in Canada, they are not. Oh, really? What, what do you mean by that? You're talking about records being available for access or? No, it's actually, you see, if they lock the rate for five years yep. and after three years they want to repay, they have an FT penalty. Uh, by repaying before the end of the term. Really? The, yes. So in the U.S., we explain that to Canadians. So they love that. They can save at purchase a significant bunch of money because uh-huh. of the exchange. They, yeah. they only do 20% down. And they can even take the 20% down from their home equity line of credit that they have in Canada. Because remember, they build a lot of equity there too with the yeah. last 15 years the real estate market like in Toronto. So they can technically almost finance everything. If their DTS or DTI uh, debt to income is is within the guidelines, if they have like a, for a second home purpose and they want to use their home equity line in Canada for a 20% down, and then they get 80% uh, uh, here for financing in the U.S. They don't have to exchange everything. And then whatever the Canadian dollar happened with the crystal ball that I don't have in three, four years, the Canadian dollar goes <laughs> back to a dollar yep. for a dollar. They want to repay. No prepayment penalty. Canadians don't don't realize that. Wow. They don't know that. That's true. That's interesting. Um, are, are, are you, you, you obviously, um, uh, you finance some people who are in business. Some of these people who are in business, we always see it. Somebody yep. comes down, they buy a condo. Next thing you know, they say, you know what? Maybe I'm open up a business or vice versa. Um, what, 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 are you reading the pulse of any any of those uh, any of those clients of yours um, in terms of did, did they see an opportunity maybe for a long term type of investment that's aside from residential? And granted, they're probably you know they're not going to be able to use your institution for financing. But but are you seeing any movement, or is everybody sort of sitting on the back uh, you know on their heels and just kind of waiting for the smoke to clear? Yeah, we see that, Peter. And, and you know, from the uh, Consulate uh, General of Canada office in Miami that okay. covers like Florida, there has a lot of information related to that. And and I will say that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's four or five hundred uh, small to large corporations that are Canadian-based company here in Florida, which has a significant contribution, obviously, to the local economy in terms yep. of employment, in terms of, obviously, tax and, and everything else. But in a smaller scale of things, we, we have seen uh, a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners who are active in Canada or Ontario, Quebec, who, yep. uh, you're right, buy a property here, uh, see it, love it, uh, experience, of course, the culture and the opportunities here, and they decide simply to expand and do um, uh, obviously do kind of a, a diversification or or like a division of their company and start doing business here then they have the option of uh, of course staying canadian resident or citizen back to canada but o- opening this uh, company here we can help those type of companies not to finance uh, but to do their banking across the border on a smaller scale of things but but they they these uh, those are kind of trend that we've seen from entrepreneur and business uh, owners that 
see opportunities to do their business here. But you're right. With this uncertainty, we have experienced over the last six, seven months. A lot of them are just kind of, again, wait and see type of uh, status. Wait and see. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, the Canadian presence is all around us. And I don't think people realize that. No, exactly. And that's why we're a number one trade partner with uh, Florida, Canada. And, and again, uh, close to 500 uh, businesses and mid-sized, large corporations uh, uh, beside uh, the airlines like Air Canada or, or others who have here. And, and it's a very kind of diversified uh, type of, of businesses, Peter. And, and I've learned a lot from the consulate office with their newsletter and all those things, how important, again, uh, Canadians are not just from a tourism and, and ownership, residential ownership standpoint, but also from a trade standpoint. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Now, now, now now's the time that uh, uh, you're not going to like, Alan. Now I want to <laughs> ask you, I want to ask you um, to provide some insight for um, uh, you know, everybody in general, but obviously your clientele is going to be the Canadian investor uh, who's probably going to need financing, residential financing in South Florida. What what what, what can you tell them, let's say, for the next, um, I don't know, up until we have a vaccine, what would be your suggestion to them? And then maybe what are you thinking post-vaccine, assuming we get it uh, sometime in the second half of next year? Can, can you provide any kind of insight and maybe any kind of strategy that maybe um, – uh, somebody listening to this podcast might be able to, uh, you know, consider and possibly, um, uh, uh, you know, deploy. Yes, actually, that's a tricky question, Peter, but you you give me a heads up on that. <laughs> so uh, I, I will say that nature wise, I mean, I'm pretty kind of conservative uh, as a banker for more than 40 years, a conservative approach to all yep. that. I think uh, it's important to get all the facts uh, lined up and clear to see, uh, I will say that in the next few months, it's going to be a lot of things happening. Obviously, we'll, we'll have the election in November, but also we, we hope that, uh, you know, the, the end point of, uh, of the pandemic and hopefully it's going to continue downturn uh, to, to that and mitigate with hopefully a vaccine sometimes in 2021. So with, with that, it's, it's still, um, I mean, the near future has a lot of uncertainty, but what we, we have seen over the last few months, Peter, from, from like a real estate standpoint, for example, in Canada, the same than here in the US and like mm-hmm. Florida, you know, shortage of, of uh, inventory, prices went up. Uh, going up um, and, and of course number of transactions in the last few months going up like even double digits uh, and, and all of that uh, I see a lot of investors or buyers or or people who own uh, to again look it around and, and see what are the opportunities uh, for them it's like we said before for people who own Maybe that's the right time again. Perfect storm for uh, cash out, uh, for yep. refi, for unlocking equity, because this is the value. This is, you know, good exchange from a Canadian standpoint or others and low interest rate and everything. For somebody who is looking to invest or buy, it's going to be more and more opportunities, I feel, in, in the market right now, because, of course, we've seen the momentum in the last few months. However, is this momentum will continue to go as more properties come in the market now because of the economic impact of what we have experienced in seven months who knows but i think we will see still opportunities to come uh, obviously uh, f- from a real estate standpoint in the next few months but i will think that 2021 obviously will will create new opportunities for uh, investors for people who wants to diversify the portfolio of real estate because florida remain florida 
That's I mean, right. let's say nobody can beat our weather, our lifestyle and everything. It's just on abnormal right now. Yes, it is. But tourists will come back and we will have a beautiful winter here because of weather, lifestyle and everything. While they're going to have a winter up north in the U.S., in Canada. So people will come back and will, uh, you know, we're kind of in the micro market type of protect, protected market. Uh, and again, like Orlando, we're talking about 68 million visitors last year. Yeah. Those visitors will come back. Maybe this year we will not have those. Those 3.5 million Canadians who visited in 2018 may not be 3.5 million, obviously, in 2020, but obviously those people will come back. So it's a matter of time, but the bridge time, the, the time from now, to six to nine months yep. um, will be obviously a wave of uncertainty, but I think we will see the light at the end of that tunnel and things will hopefully get back to a more normal uh, ways, but it will still be people looking to buy in South Florida, looking to invest, diversify and, and uh, get a, you, you know, ownership of a beautiful property here because obviously uh, the market will will continue to uh, dictate uh, who we are and, and what's coming up in, in the future post-COVID. Yep. So uh, I stay, again, cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> so, so, uh, Alan, somebody wants to get a hold of you. How do they get a hold of you? And again, keep in mind our audience is all over the world. So um, uh, what, what's the best way for them to reach you? Again, Peter, I just want to reinforce the point, uh, reiterate the point of, uh, for us, we're a specialty bank. Mm -hmm. residential lender just for Canadians buying in the U.S. So I yep. know you have a very wide uh, global audience. Um, uh, however, here's the thing. For anyone like might be oh, Canadians and looking to invest and that are listening to uh, your podcast today, will be obviously uh, to reach us, to, to us. And I think the best way, Peter, for them, if they're looking to buy, Peter, I will say go get pre-approved. You okay. know what? You can be quick. It takes two days to process online five quick questions, and then one of our mortgage uh, uh, professional will call them, review the information, finalize, provide a letter. The letter is good for 120 days. So if they plan to buy at some point in the next few months, yep. I mean, it, it's a good way to start. So rbcbank.com. Simple enough, right? Yeah, backslash pre-approval. Okay. Okay. And then we developed the e-guide for uh, U.S. home equity or for U.S. Uh, for Canadian uh, buyers of U.S. Uh, homes. Uh, e-guide to provide a holistic advice overview of what they should know, what they should understand at the beginning of their uh, hunting or or buying journey. Uh, and its e-guide is available through our mortgage website, which is again rbcbank.com backslash U.S. Homes with an S. Fantastic. Alan, anything else you want to add before I shut down this podcast? We went a little bit over the time, and I realize Oops. you're a very busy man, but I, you know, I greatly appreciate the time you spent with us and some of the insight and the tip about the um, – uh, what, what's the name of the restaurant? I know it. Uh, 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 Derry Bell. Bell. Derry Bell, Bell yeah. yes. <laughs> 
So, Peter, listen, likewise, I, I really enjoy uh, this last uh, 90 minutes, I will say. Uh, and again, uh, I, I think with, you know, professionals like you and us on the financing and all that, this is important for anyone investing in, in this market is to seek proper advice, to work with professionals that understand and know the market and can guide them through. Because if you're not from this country of America and you're looking to invest in, in, uh, in, in this market of Florida, for example, I mean, things are different. And, and this is, I will say for me, this is the most important thing. Work with professionals, seek professional advice, and of course, get the facts and everything be, you know, uh, through, through this process. And again, uh, those are my, my key points. And we're here for helping Canadians to make their... Florida U.S. homeownership uh, dream happen. And thanks again, Peter. Don't forget, his name is Alan <laughs> Forger. He is the head of sales and business development at RBC Bank. He's been on the ground in South Florida for 20 years. He just gave us some fantastic insight about Canadian investors uh, and purchasers and, and, and those seeking financing in Florida. Alan, I want to thank you for, uh, for um, uh, participating. I also want to thank the listener for um for listening to our podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber, I encourage you to go ahead and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating and give us some comments. And then finally, if you have any comments, uh, if you want to send them to us, we'll read them on our air. We discuss them during our roundtable, which is every Wednesday. Please send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. I'm Peter Zalewski. Until next time, ciao, ciao.